This episode of Hit the Ground Running is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. I'm Christina Royster. And I'm Yasmin Gagne. And you're listening to Hit the Ground Running, a fast company podcast where we help young professionals uncover how to make it in the ever-changing world of work. On today's episode, we talk about interviewing, resumes, and preparing to get the job you want. We'll be speaking with Bianca Janti, former co-founder of MIM Connect and author of Y'all Hiring, the playbook for managing recruiters and referrals about her tips to become a more attractive candidate in today's job market. I've been seeing a lot of job movements on LinkedIn lately. It seems like everyone is exploring new opportunities. Christina, when was the last time you updated your LinkedIn profile? Uh, (laughs) Probably when I got hired at Fast Company two years ago. (laughs) No, honestly, I am really bad with updating my LinkedIn because I figure I already have a job. I'm not looking. Why do I need to do that? But as it turns out, you know, you, you just never know when the circumstances can change. Look at COVID. I mean, people were suddenly laid off and furloughed and they had to start job hunting again. So as my mother says, if you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. <laughs> but what about you? Like, have you even looked at your resume in the past couple of years? No, I mean, totally not. I can't even imagine what interviewing is like right now. I actually had the opportunity to sit in on some virtual interviews for a position on my team at Fast Company. And I was really happy that I was not on the other side of it because, you know, Wi-Fi connection issues and it's just not the same. Your body language and eye contact, all of those things kind of go out the window when you're interviewing virtually. And so I just can't imagine, like you said, having to go through that right now. We are blessed to have jobs, but you, you never know, like people are also just looking for new opportunities. As we talked about in the last episode, people are just trying to branch out and try something new after a year of being stuck in the house. So tell me your worst interview story. I had an interview one time far out in Pennsylvania, past Philadelphia. You know, I, I live in South Jersey, so commuting to Philly is not that bad. But once you start looking at other counties, you're talking about over an hour drive. But I was hungry. I was young. So I said, OK, let me go out here for this design job. And I thought I was cute getting my coffee before my interview. And I spilled coffee on my shirt. And at that point, I'm far away from home. I'm out in a different state getting ready for an interview, maybe 30 minutes before the interview. And so I don't know how, but I magically had an old shirt in my trunk and I had to put that on. And it's just so embarrassing because like, obviously that's not what I planned to wear. So I didn't feel as confident. And I don't think it showed in my interview, but I didn't get a call back. So maybe it did. (laughs) What about you? Yeah. You never know the factors that are going to influence it. So I know like, so my first year out of college, I went to an interview to become like the assistant to someone high up in publishing. I don't want to like no names, (laughs) no names, no names. I walk into this guy's office and he's wearing like a fedora type hat and he's got his feet up on his desk. He's got my resume in front of him. He's like, you're too qualified for this job. So you're not going to be an assistant. And I was like, what do you mean too qualified, man? Like I'm my first year out of college, you know? So I tried to make the case, which was weird because I was basically like, no, I'm not that qualified. So it was like a little weird. And then he, and he was like, so brusque. He never took his feet off his desk. He's like, get out of my office and like, go talk to this other guy, you know, who's also high up in the newspaper down the hall and he may have a job for you. So I was like, okay. So then I walk out of this guy's office and I'm like walking down the hall, like peering into other people's offices, trying to find this man. Found the man finally, which is super weird. And he was really nice, but his first 
question when he was looking at my resume he was like oh you speak french fluently and i was like yeah i do and he was like i've been trying to learn french on duolingo so why don't we like try and do this interview in French. Oh my gosh. This but gets like, worse and he, worse. But he like didn't speak French properly. So it's like he hardly understood what I was saying. I didn't understand where he was going with his questions because they were in like broken French. And it's sort of just like, it, it was just like weirder and weirder. And I think the bright side is like, I came out of it knowing that I didn't want to work there. It was like a very bad experience. And I did really want the job when I got the interview and I think, you know, especially early in your career, it was like one of my first interviews for a full-time job out of college. It's kind of disheartening. My my takeaway from what you just said, though, is really an interview is a two-way street. And I feel like as a young person, you're trying to sell yourself and you just want a job so bad that you'll do anything. But in reality, you really have to take a look at the culture when you go in for an interview. And again, as we said earlier, that might be missing from virtual interviews right now. We probably can't see how people eat lunch together or just walk around the office. So that definitely changes the interview process as well. But well, you you know, you just mentioned that you've been interviewing candidates, right, to be on your team. And I'm curious, like, do you think cover letters still matter? Not at all. My manager did not show me a cover letter. She said, we're interviewing so-and-so today. Here's their resume. So Fast Company, I feel like we actually have real humans who read the resumes. We don't have a robot system reading resumes and cover letters. So I don't even know if our applicants have to submit a cover letter. I don't think I did when I applied to Fast Company. Oh, you didn't? I don't think so. Maybe. It was a while ago. On my own personal feelings, I feel like cover letters are outdated. And I hate the fact that when you do a job application, you have to just repeat yourself over and over with your work history. You see it in the cover letter, the resume, and the online application. How many times am I going to have to tell y'all where I worked, you know? The thing that I think about a lot is um, sort of issues to do the experience, like especially when you're first starting out, say in a field like journalism, there's this thing where, you know, when you're right out the gate, you're like, I want this job. Like it's an entry level job. It's an internship. And they're still like, we need more experience from you. Oh, how many times have we heard five years plus experience? And I'm just like, how do you get that experience if no one hires you? I was fortunate. I got to do internships. I got a fellowship. Like I had some amount of experience, but I I often think about that, like in hard to get into industries, like how do you get that experience if no one is willing to take a chance on you because you don't have experience? Yeah, I, I definitely do think it's going to take an industry mind shift it's not, it's, all of the burden should not fall on us, especially as young people. We're fresh out of college. We don't know what we're doing. So I, I, it, like you said, it just takes somebody to give you a chance. I'm so grateful that for my first job, somebody just saw my personality. <laughs> You're like, I'm pretty fun. Yes. <laughs> have you ever worked with a recruiter? I never have. So in the design industry, I have definitely worked with some staffing agencies that have helped me get these quick, you know, part-time three months here, one month there, design jobs. And that was an interesting experience. I I definitely had to cater my resume more to the positions that they were trying to fill. And that's when I first had to make my own little one-sheeter, like a media kit, explaining myself. So there's definitely a lot of different things besides a resume that can help you stand out these days. Have you ever done anything like crazy to stand out? One time I was trying to 
enter a competition. This is embarrassing, but one time I was trying to enter a competition to be a PA on the set of HBO's Insecure. Had to come up with a rap and I, I dragged my best friend into it. And so we like video recorded ourselves doing this rap and submitted it to Issa Rae. I never heard back. So I guess- Can I you share any good. of the rap? <laughs> but, Was it a rap about yourself? Oh, I don't even, <laughs> I don't even remember what the lyrics were, but it was kind of just like, <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> I, you know what? That could be some bonus content. I will definitely share that with Hit the Ground Running listeners. Yeah, I love that. That's the thing. I've never done anything crazy. I will say, always send a thank you note after you talk with someone. I think that's just like really important generally. Like, It's funny you mentioned that because like I said, I've been helping with these interviews and my manager said, does nobody send thank you letters yeah. anymore? I haven't gotten a note recently. I'm like, I always send like the thank you email. Also, because it is genuine. Like you want to thank someone for their time. Like they took time out of their day to talk with you. We're definitely going to find out the do's and don'ts from our guest, Bianca. Yeah, it's true. We're like kind of both talking out of our asses right now. Almost. <laughs> I don't, I don't we have, know. We have interviewed people for jobs and we have both interviewed for jobs but like Bianca's the real expert here yeah you know what I mean because I still google sometimes like should I put this on my resume or honestly no matter what your age we don't all have it figured out but somebody who works in this field she'll definitely be able to tell us we are going to take a quick break but when we come back we'll talk with Bianca Jonti about how to skillfully approach your job hunt and become the best candidate out there this episode of hit the ground running is brought to you by Verizon the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. Hey, Bianca, how are you? Hi, Yasmin. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. We are so excited to talk to you today. So my first question for you is, if I were looking for another job, how do I stand out digitally? You know, do I need a website? What does my social media presence need to look like? How does that all work? Yeah. So, okay. So we can probably peel it back to maybe one of the first clarifying questions. So what do you actually want? I think that before we even go into, let's say some of the marketing or some of just like, okay, like, should I, you know, hide that photo from college and me over here potentially looking a little crazy. <laughs> Let me think about what it is that I actually want in the type of environment that I actually want to work in. Right. And I think that that's probably one of the bigger questions before we jump into how do I optimize my LinkedIn? Because I think one of the things that I've noticed in terms of conversations I've had with people that are on the job hunt or they're just considering career switching or even just in the midst of COVID, a ton of us were inside thinking about like, okay, like whatever, this job? Like, do I want to be here first of all? Um, and so now thinking about that, it's like, okay, well, what do I want? And answering that question sounds like, a, you know, a boulder, but it is more so like, what is it that I want to learn next? And if I look at my career as more of a body of work than it is just like the next position that I take on, it actually makes all the questions of like, how do I stand out attractively a lot easier? So one of the ways that I've done that, or just like taught how to do that is, and doing an audit on, on yourself, right? So like I would look at the pages that I had. So usually when people are job hunting, they immediately think about LinkedIn, okay? Or your website to your question, or maybe your Instagram, your Twitter. Some of those platforms might be more relevant based on the space that you're in. So if you're in 
more creative spaces, if you're a writer of some sort, or you are um, a designer, maybe Instagram and maybe Twitter might be the places that you want to actually showcase your voice so you can be more attractive. People want to hear your perspective. They want to understand where you are coming into um, or how you add value over into the space. Um, If you're more of a techie person, if you are more of an engineer, there might be very specific consortiums that have those conversations and have that dialogue. And you might see that on LinkedIn, or there might be just digital communities that have erupted. But again, that goes back over to the question of what is it that you want? So I say always set the hypothesis about what it is that you want. Start start there. Answering that question first, you really want to optimize your platforms or your profiles based on what it is that you're looking to attract. So your LinkedIn recruiters are basically putting in very specific keywords and requirements that they're getting from hiring managers over internally, right? So at that point, you basically want to match up those words, right? If they're looking for a sales account manager, you want to have sales account manager, right? Like you need to have, you just got to make it make sense for them to make it easy to find you. You know, I think another question comes into play of like, okay, I want to be attractive, but I also want to be myself, right? Like, I don't feel like I have to hide these very things. What companies are you going to be okay with having to hide? Like, do you want to hide? If you don't want to hide, then that's a part of your now job requirement. Yeah. I have a question that kind of goes along with that. You know, when you're first applying to a company, the first impression they get of you is your cover letter and your resume. So Yaz and I were actually talking earlier about do cover letters even matter anymore? And if so, how should I write my executive statement or my cover letter to clearly express just what you said, you know, what I'm looking for and who I am without, you know, just copying and pasting for all companies? So I am very anti-cover letter and that's probably not what you know, recruiters or, you know, traditional human resource professionals want to hear. But I just think about like, if we take a step back and just think about the world that we're in, we are on TikTok, we're on Instagram, we're on Reels, we're looking at tweets, we get excited by short form content. So the idea of me having to read a little novella about you over on Twitter, <laughs> um, and I have to sit down and I, and it, as a, if I'm a recruiter, I have to go through 10 different resumes. I'm probably spending 15 seconds on all of them just to kind of scan over, does this person look like I can actually dig deeper into it? A cover letter, in my personal opinion, feels obsolete. What I would replace it with is maybe a personal website or a deck or maybe like your own personal um, portfolio. And the reason being is if you can make what you do as visual as possible so people can digest it very quickly and understand what it is that you do. I promise you the funnel and the leads that you'll come in with people sliding your DMs like, hey, uh, Christina, let me talk to you for a quick second because they'll immediately get it. I do feel like covered letters because they're just so many words and we don't like to read that much anymore. If it, it, like we're not, in a, we're not in a space or in an environment we're reading is, you know, the most, yeah, you know, unless we're like a book, I am a nerd and I have, I, I got contacts and glasses and other things I do read. But I, in, in general, when it comes to just engaging socially, reading the things that get us excited or the things that we feel and understand immediately. And I just don't see it for cover letters making it out the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> I really think that we should let our work speak for us. And you mentioned having a personal website. I had one, let it go. You know, everybody goes through those phases. Mm-hmm. But now I really like the link in bio feature in most of the social media platforms. I even put on there everything I do in one place, right. my writing, my videos, my podcast. So 
I do hope that recruiters are stepping into the current era and they're looking at that before they look at a cover letter. 100%. You are making me feel so bad about how not organized I am on this, Christina. No, um, you need to get a link in bio because you have so many awesome like features and stuff from Fast Company that could go right there. People could read yeah, it. Yeah, sure. I want to talk a little bit about the actual interview process. First of all, I'd love to hear from you personally what your worst interview experience was. If you've had a terrible one. Oh, Chile. You want to hear about this? Okay. (laughs) I was interviewing for Google once upon a time, right? And they reached out to me via email and I thought it was a scam. When I tell you, I just did not believe that they were even reaching out. At that point in my career, I was relatively early. I didn't think that like I was even like worthy of the opportunity. So to be honest, I had reached out to people that I knew at Google. I said, hey, can you just take this email and just put it in your directory and make sure that this is real, right? Because I just, my headspace was like, it's impossible. I'm sorry. Like this is, this is just, isn't it? And then found out it was a viable opportunity. So now I'm over here sweating through all the interviews, right? That being said, it's like a four or five round interview and, you know, talk to the, talk to the recruiter, talk to um, what are the hiring managers? They love me. I'm shocked again. Um, and then by the time we get over into the in-person interview, of course, there's like this big fire drill where the entire building has to basically exit. So I'm over here with my portfolio, um, coming over down over on the A train, you know, and it's in the middle of summer. So like we're in the suit in the middle of the summer, girl, it's just, we, there was not a men's deodorant that could save me from <laughs> okay. So I had went down and um, went down and got in there. And then of course, everyone had to exit. They had to reschedule my interview. Okay, great. Whew. God, God had me on the, God had my back that day. So then went back down again, another sweaty day, um, went over into the interview process. The first interview round went well. Um, and honestly, like during that interview, I asked him, I was just like, okay, like I have three rounds of interviews with three different people. Um, and I asked him, I said, you know, the first guy, he loved me. He was just like, he had like, I was like, okay, so like, give me some tips, like help me out here. Like, well, what's, what, what can I expect for the next couple of people? And he was just like, yeah, just be succinct and talk about your experience confidently. And I said, okay, cool. I can do that. The next round, it just became like a large case study about one of these products that y'all, I had no idea what was going on. It was just, it just, it just, it got bad. It just took a turn really bad. And then one of the, the questions that they asked was essentially like, so the role I was, I was interviewing for a sales role. Um, and they wanted for me to basically describe to them how I would set up a campaign for a funeral home. Right. And so this is like ads, right? So like, how do I think about setting up a campaign for a funeral home? Again, I didn't really, I wasn't that, that familiar with that product and that I don't, I don't work there. I'm over here just abity, abity, like just run. I don't know what I said. All I know is just, oh, it was, it, it got dirty very quickly. I have no idea what I said. I've vomited all over the place. And it was to the point where I had to stop myself and say, word vomit. I'm sorry. I've been rambling for about two, three minutes and I'm not quite sure what I said. So let me double back. Can I get back to you on that answer? And then after that, she asked me another question. She just saw the, the bullets over here, just sweating down, just dropping down my face. And then she left. And then I had to, I had to go ask for a glass of water because I was just like, oh my God, the next round perfectly fine. I ended up calling into uh, Google tech support on the phone. Like they had something on their website. And so I just called in and I asked them the interview question. I said, y'all, how would you set up a funeral home campaign? And they were like a funeral home campaign. I was like, so wait a minute, flag. How are you guys asking me this question? And y'all don't even know. So then at this point, they basically coached me through that. That was my (laughs) follow-up 
in my thank you note, like, hey, I know I did not do a great job of answering that question, but I did call in over to your support team. And here's some of the things that I did find out that I think would be helpful and things to consider. So needless to say, <clears throat> didn't get the job, but I got a really good stellar uh, thank you note review. So <laughs> that's like an awesome uh, tip, though like for the thank you note. My next question is about your book, Y'all Hiring. So it's kind of a playbook for managing recruiters and referrals. And first of all, do you think that young people like us need to work with a recruiter or a career coach? And the second part to that question is, how do you make sure that they're helping you find your dream job and not just throwing you any old job? Or do dream jobs even still exist? Great question. So maybe I'll start backwards with do dream jobs exist? I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> I guess, like, it, and the reason why I say I don't know is because it really depends on the person. I do think that within this year, work has been more around how does this create more joy in my life versus how do I find joy outside of work? Right. And so really kind of looking at, at looking at that as a channel of like, what do I want to learn next? Like, I, I think that sometimes when we think about like life purpose, sometimes it's not work. So I think that it really depends on the person. If that person is very much so has a, a strong prof- a relationship to their professional side of themselves, a dream job would exist. If they do not, it might just be a means for them to just express themselves creatively, but their passion is really cooking and they're just a designer by trade, right? So I think that that's to answer that question. In terms of working with, should people work with recruiters or career coaches? I say, absolutely. If that makes the most sense, I think that there are, there's no like right way to land a job, right? I think it's just a matter of understanding the ecosystem and being able to really, really lean in where it makes the most sense. Recruiters understand that that's their job. So you would absolutely want to work with a recruiter that would want to advocate on your advocate over on your behalf. Um, so I definitely like believe in working with recruiters. I do think that there are such things as good and bad recruiters, but there are there are ways for you to be able to assess if this recruiter is timely in the way that they communicate with me, they're transparent about what they're willing to push forward in front in front of me, or if a role didn't fit for me and they found something else that they thought was a better fit. that person has a visibility that you don't have. However, that is also the first line of defense. If they're not that great in terms of their communication, that might be an implication of what the company communication lines really looks like too. So I think it's very much so reading the room and being able to assess, does this person have my best interest? Even if it's not that person, maybe it's somebody else on the other side. A career coach, it really depends on where you're at over within your career. Everyone gets help. So I don't, I also don't, I don't want to send the notion that like, just because you have a career coach, oh, you down and out, you, you can't get a job. Everyone gets help by any means. And sometimes that help may look like adjusting your story and how you actually communicate it. It may also be being held accountable to do the things that you need to do, because sometimes when you pay, you pay attention. Okay. So there, there might be that. And then also a career coach may not necessarily be the person that's going to put a job opportunity in front of your face, but they might literally just be that advisor that when you're going step by step through the process, maybe you're pivoting careers and you have not interviewed over in this in this industry before. Having a career coach and having someone to just instill that sense of confidence that you need to go throughout the entire process is actually beneficial. And there's a return on investment. You're going to get more money and you could probably get a sign-on bonus too when you have that. So I do think that there's benefits to all those things. It's just a matter of really just 
knowing yourself and being self-aware enough to say like, I need help here. So I'm going to absolutely work with this person, but there are also other sides on like working with referrals too. So I'm curious, you know, going back to both an interview and also as you talk to recruiters, how do we ask about salaries? I feel like talking about money is so awkward in any situation. And at what point do you bring that up? Or what do you say, you know, when somebody says like, what are your salary expectations? My impulse is always to be like, well, what range do you have in mind? But I feel like that's wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Every time I got offered a job, I just took whatever they gave me because I was young and I was excited. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Horrible at negotiating. Like, like most of us, but here's the thing about it. I think that when you change your relationship around what negotiating really is, you can adjust how you actually approach the conversation, right? So if you get the point where you're at negotiations, they like you, they want you, right? So if they want you and you're essentially now entering the point where you are somebody that's on the team, now it's more of a partnership. It's, it's more about identifying what does the partnership look like versus like, how do I get over on you, right? So to answer your question around like, when is the best time to bring up money in this instance? I pers- there's, there's a number of different views on this. I personally think that you should wait a little bit toward the end in order for you to build up your own personal equity and for the company to build up their own personal equity for you. So at that point, if it's a little bit too early on in the process and you're just like, you're just like, okay, well, what, you know, what are your salary expectations? And you say something like, I don't know, 250,000 and the role is is 80 or it's, it's your, you price yourself out before you even understand the opportunity. Right. Um, the second piece of it is you don't actually know what the role is. You know what the job description says, But you have to do a good job of really doing your due diligence during the interview process to say, okay, this role said that it was a marketing director, but I'm seeing that there's marketing operations involved. I'm seeing that there's actually my own personal brand is going to be leveraged in terms of photos for the website. There's also like, there's so many different components of it that you now have more room to build a case about why you are deserving of the salary that you're looking for. And if they can't meet you there, then there are other ways for you to say, okay, well, how do we talk about sign-on bonuses? I want to make sure that this is fair. Negotiation is really about finding the right language to position what it is that you want, and it's give and take. So I say wait a little bit toward the end so you can get enough information for you to figure out if the salary that may be presented in front of you actually matches what the job description says, because sometimes Mm. they're misaligned. That's great advice. Thank you so much for joining us today, Bianca. It was a pleasure. All right, Christina, what is your takeaway from all this? There's a lot to unpack from our conversation with Bianca, but I think the most important thing that stood out to me was you do pay attention when you pay. (laughs) When you have to pay for a recruiter or a referral or a career coach, you're more invested in your job hunt. You're not just, you know, mindlessly applying online. I definitely got accustomed to just clicking apply, apply, apply on LinkedIn without even proofreading because it just does it all for you. But I think that the main takeaway for me was it's okay to ask for help during your job hunt because I definitely have tried to do it all on my own. And you never know, that network or that career coach can help you find opportunities that you could be missing. So that was a great takeaway for me. What about you? I love that. Um, Mine was actually even more kind of fundamental. I feel like even before I asked, you know, when I asked my first question, like, what should my LinkedIn look like? Or my social media presence look like? She took it back and she was like, 
wait, no, you need to understand what kind of job you want. Yeah. And it's so obvious and simple, but also like did not occur to me at all. <laughs> no, you're right. I, I agree. Like when you're young and you're just applying for jobs, you'll take anything, but you really have to consider we spend most of our day at work. You have yeah. to like what you're doing and you don't want to just apply for anything. And then you're stuck in a job you hate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, understanding what you want, what kind of office environment you want to work in, what kind of skills you want to gain in whatever position you're in will obviously put you in a way better position when you're talking to recruiters, when you're, you know, just kind of applying for things because you'll be, you'll be in a position where you, you can talk about it confidently. Yeah. As Bianca said, your career is a body of work, not just little Mm -hmm. jobs here and there. It's a body of work. That was a great quote. Christina, what are you keeping tabs on this week? Crocs, the shoes. And what? Yes, this is, these shoes have just like taken over my life. I don't even own a pair, but I want to. I'm obsessed with them because I feel like I used to be a Crocs hater. I was like, oh, I'm not ever wearing those ugly, clunky shoes. You know, people think Crocs, they think nurses or boating maybe, but I was like, I'm not getting a pair. But then Crocs, and you know, this is the power of advertising. They did a collaboration with rapper Rico Nasty and I love her and I'm a big fan. So I'm like, all right, if Rico wears Crocs, maybe I can wear Crocs. And I really love the fact that you can stylize them with the little, I don't even know what you call those little things. The little things little that- badges Yeah, things. the badges yeah. that punch into the holes. They're so cute to me. And I just started thinking to myself, when did these shoes even become popular? It was like, One day I never knew about them. And the next thing you know, they're everywhere. So I did a little research and I found out that they were released in 2002, but they didn't really make a comeback until 2017 when they hit the runway. And then of course the pandemic, just the comfort factor, everybody started walking around in Crocs. And so they say Crocs is anticipating a year over year revenue growth of 40 to 50% for 2021. So it's not just me. It seems like everybody is obsessed with Crocs right now. What about you? What do you keep the tabs on? Uh, I am keeping tabs on a new special by comedian Bo Burnham called Inside. It's on Netflix. Mm. Um, And it was, I mean, it's hilarious, but he also filmed, he like produced the whole thing entirely by himself in one room of his home during the pandemic. Wow. Took him like a year and a bit. Um, And it's like funny and crazy and sad and demented. And I felt like it was like a peek into my brain. Mm. Um, So I super recommend it. He's like someone who I remember watching on YouTube in high school. And I feel like he's just good at everything. He directed this movie called Eighth Grade that I think is kind of a masterpiece. He was in Promising Young Woman as an actor. He's done this special. I just think he's so talented. So I super recommend it. Thanks for listening to Hit the Ground Running. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and recommend the show to a colleague or friend or a colleague who is a friend. Also, if you have a few minutes, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We're a new show and your review helps others find us. Or you can send us an email at podcast at fastcomedy.com to let us know your thoughts and tell us if you have a question or an issue you'd like for us to tackle on the show. Hit the Ground Running is produced by Franz Bowen with help from Blake Odom and with editorial oversight from Kate Davis. 